So we've been talking about the call of God in our lives. The call of God, and we've gone from Adam all the way to Moses, to Elijah and Elisha. We've talked about Isaiah and others, and what the call of God was in their life. What it meant to them. Each one was a little different, obviously. Uh, The circumstances that each one came about, uh, God touched them, reached them, called them to do different things. And these calls, the reason we're going through them is they're, they're shared oftentimes by us. The idea, what's behind the call. Uh, sometimes we can identify with the people that are called and say, I'm, I'm kind of like him in that way, or I'm like her in that way, or he did this and so did I. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw any burning bushes lately, but hey, might be. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at a man tonight, uh, today here whose name is Matthew. His name is Matthew, also referred to as Levi, so I'm kind of interested in this as well. Um, he's really a scoundrel. That's what he is. Comes up and... He is not loved by anybody. He is, in fact, really hated and downtrodden by most people. He is a publican, okay? And that's one thing we need to know about. A publican, which essentially, um, yes, that means a tax collector, but it has become kind of a, a little subset of society within the Jewish people, really they didn't look at him as a tax collector. The Jewish people looked at publicans as traitors. Okay? You're a traitor. Because in order to be a tax collector, you would be a Jewish person who would accept the Roman overarching government and all of their authority, and you would swear allegiance to the overarching government at that point, and you're, you're going down on everybody's list at that point because they were very proud people. They were very proud to be on their own, even though there were Roman soldiers marching all around. They stood and fought oftentimes against the Romans and wanted to be known and keep their identity as Israel. But as a publican... You agreed to go to your fellow Jewish uh, neighbors and friends that you had to begin with and say, okay, you owe Rome this money. So we're going to sit down and we're going to come around. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to come to my table and I am going to take the money that Rome owes or that you owe Rome. Okay, And I'm going to take it from you. Now, oftentimes, what happened is um, the, the Romans basically said, and how you're going to get paid is really not from us. We're just telling you get the money. You add your fees on top of it. So how much ever you can get, that's how much you can get. We want our cash. You get what you can. So what happened is, Not only are you a traitor because you turned against, you're a thief because you stole my money. I'm giving it to the Roman government because they're making me by point of sword. You may know how that feels, right? But not only that, 
But now you're taking a cut on top of it, not off of the Roman, but on top of what the Roman requirement is. So I don't like you. I take an extra 10, 15, 20%, 50%, whatever I want. And this is what it is. I'm, you're, I'm telling you what you owe Rome. And that's what they would take. And so nobody trusted publicans. Nobody trusted them. And, of course, the other famous one that we know about personally was Zacchaeus, right? And he said, all those people I cheated, I'm going to pay them back double or triple or quadruple. Okay, I'm going to pay them back plus and give half my goods to the, the, to the poor. Okay, Zacchaeus did cheat people and likely Matthew did too. What happens to a person like that who is a scoundrel, right? He's a scoundrel. Nobody likes him, and he is a cheater. And he's a thief, right? Yeah, you're doing really good so far. Doing really good. What happens to him? Well, everybody hates you. Especially as you're doing your position, you're doing your job. Nobody likes to say, oh, I'd just happily give my tax money to the tax man, right? I'm thrilled to send the check out. I love it. Every check that you see as it comes in your house, whether you have it taken out every couple of weeks or every week or every month or however you do it, or if you pay every year or every quarter, nobody says, hooray, it's the tax time. Nobody. Right? <laughs> Inside, there's something gnawing at you saying, I work for this money, right? And so as he comes along, this man named Matthew, this man named Levi, is just not well-liked. And he really is not looking for Jesus. Now, here we go. Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. Right? So if you were to look about his own story in the book of Matthew, you would find some details. And, and one of the things that Matthew is really good at, he is good at details. And his major thrust of the book of Matthew is about Jesus being a king. Matthew understands authority. So he, he writes about it from his perspective. But you'll see when he writes about himself in his own book, we're not going to go there because he doesn't, leave it, he doesn't give as much detail. What he does is he lists his own name. He tells his story in a little abbreviated version. And then as you get to a list of the names of the disciples, because he's chosen as one of the 12 disciples, he writes himself as Matthew, a publican. So he keeps that identity as, yeah, I'm a scoundrel. I didn't earn any of this. But here I am in the list because it's part of history, but I'm telling you who I really am. All right? So what we have to do is we have to go to the book of Luke to get a few more details about him by someone else, okay? Luke is a doctor. He's writing a lot of details that coincide with Matthew's book. But something that's interesting also about Matthew's book, Matthew brings to us the most detailed Sermon on the Mount. 
He is most interested in delivering Jesus' words to us. He does the best job at capturing many of his earlier sermons as he watches and he's fascinated with the character of Jesus. I think, as we're going to see here, something's been brewing behind the scenes in Matthew's life before Jesus steps on the scene. All right, so let's go to Luke chapter number 5. So we pick up the story. Written, of course, from Luke, and and many of these details are shared in Matthew's and a few more in Mark's gospel. But Luke chapter number 5, verse number 27 and 28, and here is the famous part as we start, verse 27 and 28. And after these things he went forth, that is, Jesus went forth, and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customer, that's his desk. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Matthew leaves out that that detail, that he left all. Because I don't think he felt that way. But Luke, as he looks at Matthew, said, you did. You walked away from everything that you had. You turned away and turned your back on it. And I'm sure, and I know, as we see, we will see Matthew is a struggler. He struggles inside. There's a battle going on inside of Matthew, I think, all the time. But at that moment, he's not looking for Jesus. And yet, the first time that we have record of him seeing him, Jesus walks by. Jesus looks at him and says, follow me all he said now if you weren't thinking of what you've heard about this Jesus and you weren't struggling with something inside you'd probably say why but I think Matthew has had something deeper going on I think he has struggled and struggled and here is God's call it is something very simple just follow me And because of what God has been planting in his heart and working and he's been just battling through, because of what he's been battling through, he gets up, he leaves all his stuff, and he, and he leaves. That's it. And that would really be kind of the end of the story. There's not much more that is said directly about Matthew Except as we go on, we're going to look at a couple little details here. Matthew, though, he's going to do something. He's really going to throw a party, okay? Because he's got all this money, I guess, and he wants to celebrate with Jesus. And so what does he do? Verse number 29. Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. So here it is. I'm going to invite all my best friends who are all hated by everybody else. And he doesn't probably like them either. But he's bringing in all that he can and saying, all I can do is invite people that will come. So the other guys who are scoundrels and thieves, they joined with him too. I'll take a free meal if you're going to 
if you're going to put a great big meal together, I'll take one. And so he does it. He brings him in. And then we start to see what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. That's it. That's all that we see that Matthew does or says. Okay? And Matthew didn't record that he brought in his own, a big feast. That's only in Luke. So he doesn't even think that that was something good that he did. Or worthy of, of writing it down. But now we see somebody else has joined in the feast here. Verse number 30 But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? There's some guests, maybe unwanted, maybe they were some of the only ones that would come. These religious leaders came in to say, Why is Jesus sitting with all of these scoundrels? They're thieves, they're traitors. To who we are. We don't want. Why, why would he do that? If he's really who he claims he is. Why would he sit down and do that? Verse 31. And this is Jesus. Hearing them. And they're kind of muttering this under their breath. But Jesus of course knows what's in their hearts. Verse 31. And Jesus answering said unto them. They that are whole. Need not a physician. But they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, I'm a doctor. Okay, I'm the great physician. I came to heal people. If you don't need to be healed, then I didn't come for you. I came for those people who are struggling inside, who are battling inside, who are not whole who feel that that sin has been overtaking them, that they might be traitorous, they might be thieves, they might be scoundrels, they're sinners. But if you're already set, then I didn't come for you. I came for this group of people. The ones that know that they need my help. Now, of course, all of those leaders turn out to be some of the biggest scoundrels and thieves and cheats that you've ever seen in history. But they will never turn. Most of them will never turn. It is a man like Matthew who goes and looks and says, I'm going to listen to this battle that's going on in my heart and I'm just going after Jesus. He said, follow me. I don't know what else to do. Really, I have no other pathway just to stand up and follow that's all I can do. And the Pharisees aren't really finished yet. All right? They're not finished yet because they just, it's something getting in their craw about the way that Jesus acts around these, around these publicans, these sinners. Why do you keep hanging out with them? Verse number 33. And they said, to him, said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? All right. Why don't you do more holy things? Why aren't you holy like John the Baptist's disciples? They all they fast and they pray and they do all the things they should do just like we do. Why don't you do that, Jesus? Why isn't that your operational mode? 
And Jesus had something to say to them. He said unto them, verse 34, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. So, what's most important, Jesus said, is just to be in the presence of Christ. And the people that are with me understand that. They want to be with me. They desire Christ. They know they have great need. They know they are missing a whole lot in their life. They come and they nothing in my hand I bring. Right? Simply to thy cross I cling. I have nothing to bring you, God. I just know I need you. That's all I got. I cannot say I'm, I'm holy enough for you, but I'm, I'm begging and asking that I can follow you. Jesus says, that's the people I want. And they, my people, realize that I'm right here with them. There's, this isn't the time to fast. This is the time to be with me. Being with Christ is the most important thing. Now, to me, there's something that's still not quite in the rest of the story there. So far, we haven't heard all the details of, of Matthew. I'm trying to put together what we're seeing. But Jesus has a little more to answer. A little more to give you a background of what's going on about Matthew, about Levi, about these publicans. You see, with Matthew's call, we've, we've talked about Elijah and Elisha, and there was miracles, and they did all these crazy great things. And like I said, Moses with the burning bush, and, and all of the different things, Adam and Eve are in paradise, walking with, with God every day. But here is Matthew, and he's really nobody. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to be with him. There's no great miracles around his call. There's no great healing. No, no one was raised from the dead. And he didn't have some great sickness where, where he was healed of leprosy or anything like that. It was simply, you're no good, really. And you know it. Now follow me. It's pretty simple. Now, Jesus didn't say you're no good because Matthew already knew it. He's already battling inside. He's already struggling inside. So he gets up and he goes. And this is what Jesus says to add to helping them understand, helping people understand what's going on inside of Matthew. Verse 36, and he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But the new wine must be put into bottles, into new bottles, and both are preserved." No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith, the old is better. Now Jesus is getting down to what's really going on. Matthew's been called to a new life. 
something brand new. God's Holy Spirit, when he says, I am going to come into you, a New Testament way of thinking is the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, okay? Dwells in you. When you say, I accept God, he comes and dwells inside of you. Now that's something big, powerful, and new, and clean that doesn't fit who I am. Doesn't fit who I am. Didn't fit who Matthew was. God comes inside and said, I am a perfect being and I want to dwell inside of you. So Jesus says, here's what you need to understand. You can't take your old life, your old garment, and, and say, well, I got this old garment I really like. I've had old sweatshirts that I've held on to for a long time, and they fit just right. I don't know what the deal is, but they feel good when they go back on, and they get holes in them, and it's like, yeah, but I still like the feel of that. Old Carhartt coats and things like that. Had this Carhartt coat. All the pockets were all shredded and holes. And it's like every time I go to put something in those pockets, because I've used them so many times, the stuff just falls out. And so you try to like patch it or tape it. And it's just nothing holds. It's not meant to be. But you get used to it because it fits right. And then you buy a new one. It's like, ah, that's stiff and terrible. And it doesn't work for a long time. doesn't feel right. Jesus says that's very same thing. You can't add this new life onto what you had. It just doesn't work like that. It can't hold it. God comes inside you and just tears the place apart. You can't survive it. Your old life will not survive it. It'll shred the old garment. You can't say, well, I like this neat little patch here, and I'll cover the hole that I got. No, no, no. Take the new coat, the whole new one. And he says the very same thing. You can't take the old wine bottles. Now, what he was talking about in Jesus' day, the bottles were actually, the bottles were not glass bottles. They were uh, skins, like a wine skin they were called. And they were fresh skins. Okay? So you get a new piece of leather and you sew it up into a bag and then they'd fill it up with new wine. Now, what happens to wine when you put it in, then you seal it up? It ferments. And when it ferments, uh, when creating wine from the new wine, it actually expands and stretches the old leather. Now, if you take an old leather bag that's already had wine in it, you fill it up with new wine, it expands and it blows it up because it doesn't have any more stretch in it. Okay? So... Your old life is like that old, that old wine bag. It's already been all stretched out, and you used it all up, and it's all gross and nasty, okay? And you can't put God into that and say, I'm all set, because he doesn't fit. He's going to just blow it all apart. You've got to start with something totally new. The outside and the inside have to be new. But as you know... When God comes into you and you accept God right away and you say, yep, I'm going to follow you, God. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. It doesn't feel right right away. It's, It's happy and it's exciting. And then you go back and you do something wrong like 
I don't know, first day you're, you go back, first hour, I don't know, you mess up already. And you're like, but what happened? I thought this was all new and changed out. And sometimes you just don't feel like doing good things. And that's exactly what Jesus says in that last verse. He said, no one that's tasted the old wine goes straightway and said, oh, this new wine's so great. Nobody does that. It takes time for it to go and to change and to ferment. There's a process in which that new wine comes in and your life is able to change and expand with it and become a whole being. God works through, and it's, it's a different way to look at it. Um, there was a man named Watchman Nee. He always said, it's like God gets inside of you and breaks out some of that old stuff and starts shining light through little cracks in you, and then uh, the cracks get bigger and the old stuff falls away. All of that is old. It's got to go. But that does not happen overnight. If you've ever lived with a human, okay, in your, in your family or not in your family, you'll see there is not a single person that gets along right away. Everything's easy. Everything's smooth. It just doesn't work that way. It just is not like that. Humans are not like that. Friendships are not like that. They take time to work and ferment. They take patience. And right away, you it's like, this is terrible. I don't want this. Because you're used to something else. You have to ask for God to help you see that the new wine's better. The new choices are better. The new lifestyle is better. The new desires are better. And I think that's really what happened in Matthew's life. That's why this whole process is happening. He's sitting down eating with a bunch of publicans who have done bad things a good chunk of their life. Nobody likes them. They have no friends. They have nowhere to go. And Jesus is saying, look at this whole group of people here. These are the people that need me. I'm here to help these unhealthy people. And it isn't going to be... Smack, bang, overnight, it's all done. It's going to be a slow, almost painful process to get there. Now, I walked out this morning because I do enjoy standing outside once in a while and looking. I'm standing next to this snowbank that is as hard as a rock. And it, it's like an ice ball in my yard, probably about five, six feet high. Used to be 10 feet high when I was pushing it up with a tractor. And I looked, and, and there's a little bit of grass there, and there's a little green in it, and there's brown. And I'm listening, and there's birds singing. They apparently know something I don't, because as I'm standing out there, it was 16. 16, right? <laughs> this is not springtime yet, right? And yet, sun is shining. Feels different. It feels different on my skin. And the birds are singing, saying, well, something's coming. Yeah. But the snowbanks are there. And there's a little bit of patches of green here and there. And it doesn't happen overnight. We don't get... March 20th, it's snowing and blowing, and 
March 21st, it's 70 and stays that way. We go up and down and up and down and up and down. It's cold and it's hot and it's cold and it's warm and, and it's cold and it's cold and it's cold and, and it's cold some more, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, there was spring and I didn't notice when it happened. I didn't notice the very first time the bird was singing. But as I go out, I, there's more. This is changing. There's evidence. It's slow, and it's not spring today, guys. <laughs> it's not. And it probably won't be right on March 21st. It's not going to be. Because we live through this every single year, and every year we're like, isn't this over yet? Can't we have it beautiful and ready? And I loved it. Summertime it's great, and I love it. Patience. And that's the way God really works in life. Very few times does he just hand you something major in life. A lot of times it's, it's little tiny step by step by step by step. In your relationships, in your life, in your relationship with God. It's a little tiny step by step. And do you know why? It's because he's patient with us. We're the ones that don't get it. He understands. He knows everything we need to do. And we're kind of flopping along, looking and saying, look, I'm doing this real well. And he's like, yeah, you aren't even seeing all this. That you, got. you got all this to work on over here. Hey, look at that. But he patiently shows us a little tiny piece. And that's what's significant about the call of Matthew. What's significant is it's piece by piece by piece. Little by little. No great miracles. We, we'll have those things we'll talk about. And God calls and does things like that. But a lot of us just have this life where, oh, yep, there it is. Another day. Another week. Another month. Another year. And I'm living through it. And it seems like there's little things that are better. But I've still got this. And I'm still there. And it's a, it's a battle. Life is a lot of that. A lot of battles, really. It's significant, and for time's sake we won't turn there, but there's two verses, you could write them down if you're interested. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 2 Corinthians 7.10. Both of them say this, basically. God is doing something. The 7.10 brings, talks about godly sorrow that brings repentance. It worketh repentance. Worketh is not worked. Worked is a past word. Worketh is it's happening. Same thing with uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature. Every, every man in Christ is a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. Old things are passed away. Those things are go, they're gone. He said, but all things are become. Okay. Not they became, but they are become. They're, they're happening. You are changing. Every day you wake up and it's a change. And that's, I think, the significance of the call of, of Matthew, that there's no great fire and brimstone about it, and there's no burning bushes, and there's nothing. It's just, come on, let's go. Yep, you need me. Yep, you're a mess. I got it. Let's go. And all your friends are a mess too. So there. They all need it. <laughs> you're all your friends and your whole family and everything. You're all a mess. But here's the pathway for you too. It's the same pathway. 
Nothing great except me. Learn to come to me. Jesus says, come to me, and, and I will help you. And what does Matthew get out of it? Well, he writes one of the most famous books in the Bible. He gets to write about Jesus' birth. He gets to write about Jesus' death. He gets to write the Sermon on the Mount and puts many, many of our hearts at ease in understanding what Jesus really wants because I think he's along the step right, writing down things, thinking about things, and soaking them into his body every day as he watches Christ. He walks with him, and he says, I need to be different. Man, I really got that run wrong too. You know, I need to be different. And so the call of Matthew is just the call of really just another person, just an average person. But he gets to do something special because he goes. He gets up and he goes. And that's as much as it is. So we learn lessons from the call of God. Uh, you know, there will be great big things like Paul who's knocked down on his knees and blinded and all sorts of things like that. And some of us need that some days too where we're just knocked upside the head. But others where we just live our lives and we struggle daily and we just need encouragement that, yeah, you just keep going. We're all keeping on going. That's what we're doing. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.